subscribers. So excited to be with you today. We have a special guest. We have uh, Dr. Mary Awanda, who is the Associate Professor, Director, Center of Excellence, Director, Howard University's Telepharmacy and Populations Health Center. Um, Dr. Wanda, it is such a pleasure to have you on RevDive today. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. Highlight of my yes. day. <laughs> you know, we, we brought you on today because you are doing some amazing things in workforce development in Washington, D.C. And with all of the challenges that not only the industry, but the country is having with attracting and retaining workforce. Um, it's such a relief to, to have folks like you um, who are really paving paths um, in this space. I know you very well, but I'd love to share a little bit about your background with our Rev Divers. Sure. Um, so my journey really began um, at Howard, Howard University. I'm a double alum at Howard. I did my bachelor's uh, there and I did my PhD there. I'm trained as a health services researcher. Um, so that was sort of my area of specialty. And coming out of getting my PhD, I started a, a fellowship in minority health and health disparities. And thereafter, I took a, a faculty position. Uh, my faculty position has been very broad in terms of its you know roles we do faculty research we do service we do teaching but i found myself doing a lot of student success um efforts and also got very much engaged in our workforce diversification programming uh, and so that initially led me to my um my first i would say set of workforce programs which focused on preparing uh, a, a preparing minority students for healthcare professions, um, primarily with a focus on pharmacy, but also other healthcare professions. Um, and then most recently, which is sort of where you and I connected, was on workforce diversification that is unique to public health informatics and technology. And we were charged by the Office of the National Coordinator um, through a grant that we jointly received uh, with the University of the District of Columbia as a prime institution and Howard University as a prime institution to really prepare a public health informatics workforce for DC. Wow. Now, let me tell you, that is so uh, important. And it, it's in a way trailblazing because we're seeing a lot of difficulty with recruiting and retaining um, workforce in healthcare. And, you know, our rev divers are folks who are impacted or are impacting the revenue cycle. And so the skill sets needed um, are, you know, being able to understand insurance complexities, understanding compliance when it comes to uh, health information and the use and optimization of technology like um, electronic health records, practice management software, and the PHIT for DC program seems to really help um, students with understanding those concepts. Can you talk a little bit about the PHIT for DC program and, and really um, what the goal of the program is? Sure, Kim. So the goal of our program was to develop 
a public health informatics workforce. 500 was what we promised the Office of the National Coordinator. So we have a lot of work to do between now and 2025. Um, but our curriculum was very intentional. We specifically called it Fit for DC, you know, public health IT, public health informatics and technology for DC because we wanted to develop a workforce that was going to help solve problems in DC. And, you know, one of the things that I am a strong believer in is sort of building T-shaped learners, learners who know a lot about what's going on, but are also steeped in sort of their own discipline. Because part of solving problems and, you know, the, you know, the big problems that we showed or were shown over the pandemic was, you know, lack of care coordination. It sort of all kind of came to, uh, uh, you know, a perfect storm as it were. And everybody lived that experience. And so we wanted to build a workforce that was sensitized to that, that was aware of the technology investments in DC and was ready to leverage them in a way that would be meaningful. On the retention par part, I think, you know, what we have learned is that I think we want to, we want to mission sensitize folks. And what I mean by that is making sure that people understand the mission so that even though they choose to, you know, work in different settings, that there's a continuum of their work. And so I think when we think about retention, we're thinking of retention, but staying within the mission of what we're supposed to be doing, I think is still progress. So, you know, I think that's what we have tried to do. <laughs> and acad academics, uh, you know, we fall in love with our own ideas. And so one of the major things we did was invite a consortium of very, very strong partners who were able to develop this wonderful curriculum with us. And so special shout out to Zane Networks, to the DC Primary Care Association, CRISP DC, who were really, and among others, who were very instrumental in helping us understand how to develop our curriculum. We also have an advisory board um, led by um, um, our chair, Mr. Calvin Smith, among so many others, including UCAM, who are really, really helping us to understand what it means to develop um, a program that develops shovel-ready folks who are ready to dig in and who are ready to work on day one. So, I, I, you know, um, I think I'll stop there just to, you know, give you a sense of how we came up with this programming and why we're doing it so we can help folks, you know, stay stay on mission, as it were. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the fascinating um, factors of what has been developed is that it's been a collaborative effort, as you mentioned. Um, so working with the Health Information Exchange in, in D.C., um, working with, you know, hospital associations and and working with community leaders who are in um, uh, the, the, the top of thought leadership and um, advising others in healthcare, um, really pulling together the folks who are able to kind of strategically set the pathway for the program, for the students, providing that mentorship um, is so important um, to the success of, of a program like this. Uh, you know, thinking also about how the industry can replicate this type of an effort nationally because uh, it's great for DC and the surrounding areas, right? So DC, Maryland, Virginia, I think, you know, the, the DMV uh, and, and the metropolitan area, they're all gonna benefit from this effort, um, especially with the collaboration between two universities, University of District of Columbia and Howard University. Uh, again, 
the the collaboration um, that has has pulled uh, together such a unique um, workforce opportunity. It, it seems like we could do this again and replicate this in other areas of the country. Um, what advice would you have to to other uh, leaders in healthcare uh, to collaborate with one another? And and that's a great, 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 great question. One of the things that we um, we have learned would really work best is to be inclusive from day one. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we created sort of four doors through which people could enter our training program. So you could be a career starter, a career changer, a career advancer, or a professional. So the four doors allow folks to enter and train at different levels, right? And that allows for you to train folks who are at the top, right? Through our PCMH, um, you know, as an example, our PCMH, you know, CCE training, uh, and also through our, you know, um, abbreviated curriculum, which is targeting peer recovery coaches, you know, community, you know, case, you know, case managers, community support folks who want this abbreviated curriculum that just gives them some of the, you know, just quick hands-on skills on the digital health tools that are in DC. So we want I think creating that continuum allows folks to know, well, I can participate in this program even though I've never had an experience in healthcare. Also setting uh, people up for success is really, really important, particularly for our career starters. One of the things that we have learned is that in as much as we talk about social determinants of health, there's also social determinants of education, if I can call them that, that you know, food and housing insecurity can also impede and you know, create barriers for, you know, completing educational programs. And so we've had to open up that conversation for people even applying to our programs so that we can now connect them to resources so they can complete their training. So I think that's been very useful. So we connected with Martha's Table, you know, so that we could make referrals to people, um, uh, referrals for people so that they could continue their training. And we feel like that's really something that folks should consider when developing these programs so that they can yield success, not just for some, but for all. Oh my gosh, that's, oh my gosh, that's, a, that's such a powerful statement. Uh, there's so many hidden gems of, of students who might not have access to, you know, some of the training and education that would really uh, benefit not only them, but healthcare organizations. So being able uh, to, to capture those individuals wherever they are, um, that's such a huge benefit to, to the growth of our communities through um, empowering individuals, but then also bringing them on successful teams uh, in, you know, in healthcare facilities. And just kind of also looking at the revenue cycle. Uh, obviously, you know, our, our audience of rev divers, as we call them, um, we're, we're always looking at how we can promote uh, revenue cycle management, um, empower individuals to uh, really understand and succeed in revenue integrity and revenue cycle improvement. Uh, Taya and I are huge proponents of um, inclusion of revenue cycle management into academic curriculum. And believe it or not, that's not widespread. You would you would expect it to be, um, but it's not. And and Taya and I are doing you know our due diligence by authoring books and partnering with you know associations to 
um, provide educational content, certification programs um, outside of academia. Um, but within the PHIT4DC program, uh, you saw the foresight to include revenue cycle management um, as a key component of the curriculum. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and I was really honored to uh, present that content and connect with uh, the, the students in the program. Can you talk a little bit about your, your motivation to do that? I'd love for others who are considering inclusivity of revenue cycle management into their curriculum. I love them to hear from you uh, about what pathways led you to doing that. And, you know, one of the, just to harp on what you just talked about is that, you know, the gaps are significant in terms of training our students, even on the professional end, forget the career um, starters, even on the, you know, the professional side of things, not everyone is aware. And you would think that as we include these value-based types of models that we know our practitioners are going to be thrust into, that they should at least have some understanding of the basics of revenue cycle management. But I think, you know, this is sort of the, the, the circumstances that we found ourselves in and said, you know, we want to be transformative. We want to have that T-shaped learner who can know a lot about what goes on so that they can have those conversations um, to continue to advance patient-centered care with the understanding that patient-centered care also has to think about the finances, right? So it's not just, <laughs> we have to make them aware. Um, and so we said, we are at least going to introduce it in our course and certainly tack it on to any of the other courses. Our goal is to build a certificate program and that workforce certificate program will have, you know, what your introduction, and then there's going to be follow-ons as, you know, to kind of reinforce the material. But I, I can't tell you enough how the scholars were so excited um, about your contributions to our program. They never thought that this would be such an exciting topic, you know, for them. And I, I feel like we turned something some area of intellectual curiosity in them that they will sustain um, those conversations moving on. So our intention was to make sure we develop folks who are gonna have the ability to have intelligent conversations with folks who are not in their own disciplines so that you know practice and patient-centered care can move forward uh, versus not being at the table when these discussions are going on because then they will be able to see both sides um, both sides of the aisle, as it were, on some, on those issues. So that was our intent, and even ourselves, you know, we wished we, you know, we took we were in the classes, we were learning too, you know. So <laughs> I think it's absolutely essential, and I would urge, you know, other uh, programs that are thinking about this not to not to shy away from introducing these topics and having folks. You know, I'm a strong believer in anticipation is the best is the best way to prepare. You know, I think it's an analogy that works in sports. You know, I think, you know, defensive linesmen are better. The better ones at least are very good at anticipating what's coming. So the better we are able to make them anticipate what's coming makes them better prepared for that. They may not get everything, but at least they're going to remember your four quadrants, right? <laughs> hey, there you go. Right? So we, we want that not to be the first time they're hearing it when they actually go into practice. And that was our, our vision. And you know, we're, we're still looking at our evaluation data, but as I said, um, your session was very, very well received. Oh, man. Well, that is 
music to the the revenue cycle industry's ears to hear uh, program developers at the highest levels really understanding the impact that the revenue cycle has on patient care and outcomes. Um, so thank you for for you know making sure that the workforce that is coming out of the PHIT for DC program or is you know super ready to, to to be shovel ready as as you said uh you know i i think when um there's just so many so many thoughts that i have about what you just said uh i i i'm so hopeful that your your platform the this program um takes off like wildfire throughout the country and and others um are, are able to kind of replicate and expand what you're doing uh, so that the, the rest of us are, are really able to get a strong workforce because we all need them right now. Uh, you know, just also thinking about um, everything that you've shared today. Uh, you have obviously had a wonderful career. And for our Rev Divers, uh, they are... CFOs, practice managers, billers, collectors, front office staff, physicians, you name it. Uh, it's always great to hear uh, a, about, you know, a, a tidbit of our guest speakers' path to success. And all, all of our roads to, to where we are today, you know, we're, we're paved with hits and sometimes misses. But if you could share you know, just a tidbit of advice to our rev divers coming from your career experience. I think that it would be so impactful to them. Thank you, Kim. And I think that's so, um, you know, so, so great of, of, the, of your programming to really want to, you know, have folks share about their professional experiences. I mean, I think one of the things that I, I noticed about myself personally is that I was never the person who knew Z from A, you know? I was a daughter of a physician. And so it's sort of the expectation that I was supposed to become a physician, but that didn't happen, right? But I had all these other skills. And I said, the best thing I can do for myself is I had a classic and, you know, I don't, I didn't know Z from A. So I said, I'm going to get to B and then from B, let's see what, what's B doing. And then let me get to C. Oh, okay. This is what C looks like. Then you get to D. But at all phases, I've always tried to stay engaged and was more nosy than others because I just wanted to learn more. And I didn't underestimate the spaces that I was in. Anytime I was thrust into a committee, for example, as a faculty member, um, I just you know, said, okay, this is a space I'm, this, I'm at B, right? So let me just see what's at B. Let me explore everything at B. And I think that has helped me to learn so much about everything. Um, I could tell you over the pandemic, I knew, you know, much less about what I know now about the healthcare ecosystem and how things tie together, right? Because we were, like I said, starting a telepharmacy center. And then along that journey, we said, you know, we have this Fit for DC grant. And so again, I was at a stage in life where so many things were coming at me and I said, you know, let me just learn more. And I had a lot of my colleagues who are from industry who are teaching us and we all learned together. We were teaching them about the educator side of things. They were teaching about what they felt was relevant for our students to learn. And so that journey has led me here, right? 
because I stayed nosy and I stayed, you know, as I say, stay ready. You really have to stay ready. And so any opportunities that come my way, um, I always saw that as an opportunity for progress, no matter how non-exciting it may have been presented, <laughs> you know, go join this committee, you know, you know, it just sounded like, oh, but the amount of learning one can have from these seemingly mundane opportunities can really open doors. So I would say for anyone looking for career advice is that, you know, progress doesn't necessarily have a straight line graph and people always say that, but sometimes circle, 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 going downward and going upward and then up, that's the also progress. And I'm, I've been very, and also I said, having good sounding boards was something I learned much later on in my career because, I, and I can speak to acad, academia specifically because academia is very sort of you know, focus, you're always, you know, with your students, but there's a lot of other things that are going on. And so I found mentors who were outside who would give me different perspectives whenever I was trying to make moves. Well, I'm developing the center. Well, let me bring in so-and-so, let them check me on my, you know, what else, what other skills do I need? You know, what other um, areas of growth do I need to, to, to venture in? And so um, the other thing I would always also say is that leadership is something that always should be a career um, competency one should strive for from day one. I think oftentimes we are, we are taught to believe, and I'm just speaking for myself, this is a Mary opinion, that leadership is something sort of maybe over there. It's for others, right? And someone doesn't necessarily see themselves as part of that. Um, so I, you know, I think I would call on all my technocrats because I see myself as a technocrat. I, I sort of love being in the background and being in the the, you know, the details of things, that leadership too is for you, that you can also be those types of leaders who know more about the weeds as well as, you know, sort of having this mountain view of things. So that's a stage that I have, you know, come to that embracing leadership as, as part of the mission, right? And not something fringe, that being a leader is part of the mission because then your voice is being heard over there, right? Where your voice was not heard before. So um, that would be my career advice <laughs> and hopefully it should help, able to help someone. You know, when you said something about leadership and leadership isn't just over there, one, my first position in healthcare was at a med, as a medical receptionist. I wasn't even a receptionist. I was just answering the phones and I was given a notepad with the carbon copy and take messages. Um, and the physician who I was working with, Hector Collison, who's no longer with us, but um, he empowered me to lead where I sat. And that changed the trajectory of my career. Um, although I was the, the, the call center person, call center of two people, um, that was my responsibility. And so the best thing we can do for our workforce is to allow them and empower them to lead exactly where they are. Um, that's how we continue to, to grow new batches of leaders um, within the, the, the healthcare industry in all industries. Um, Dr. Owanda, thank you so much for you know, being with us today. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, you know, one other thing I just want to remind our rev divers, be nosy. I love that. Stay nosy. Stay nosy. Um, 
and lead exactly where you are, guys. Um, all right. Well, Rev Divers, until we meet again, keep diving into those Rev Cycles.